Good morning, you bastards. John, where you at? I'm here. Oh, man, life is a trip. <laughs> You're talking about heavy shit today? I don't know. Uh, how's everything going with you? What's the, what's the new thing? What's spring going to do for you? Uh, I feel like I'm already, uh, spring's over. I'm over it's spring. Done. Yeah, I'm <laughs> on to the next season. You get everything. Did everything you know that now? there's 52 fashion seasons? You're shitting a me. A year? For what? How, I mean, that's good for them. Good for the fashion season. Well, that's the thing. Like, what you, uh, I was listening to something. It started off, you had warm and cold season, right? Right. obvious and then it morphed from there but yeah now now the fashion industry is set up wait a minute how many seasons are there 52 that's one a week that's one a week their mindset is they want you to feel like after you've worn something it's out of style and you need to go get something uh. new so it's this constant machine of like you're always looking for the next cool thing yeah that right there would turn me off that's like overwhelming yeah that's too much I wonder if you can specialize in week 20. <laughs> You're so week 19. Right. <laughs> well, it makes me it makes me admire um people like Steve Jobs to a certain extent to where he he had a formula, you know. He had his black turtleneck and dad mm-hmm. jeans, mm-hmm. you know, and he did that because it kept it simple. And I we've We've been stuck on this thing, the the minimalists. Um, they have a website, theminimalist.com, and the, one of their guys always he has a formula too for his the way he dressed, and it's like one other thing that you don't have to think about. Yeah. Speaking of minimalist, you know, I uh, recently I had a filing cabinet full of drawings, mm. and they were all they were client drawings. They weren't like my doodles. They were upon request. Draw this for me, and um. I'm going through a cleansing too, you know. I think I always am, you know. I'm always throwing stuff away, but I looked at this drawer of files. I had two drawers of files, and so we're talking like six or seven years of drawings. And I was thinking to myself, one day I'll throw these away. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way I'm going to keep these drawings until I'm 60 or 65. I mean, it, it, it's I don't know what I would do with them. So then I started thinking about it, and I was like. Well, if I'm going to throw them away one day, might as, might as well be today. Right. So I was already burning uh, yard waste stuff, and I just took them and threw them in the fire. And it, <laughs> I never thought twice about it, you know. And I just I, – I joked and I posted online. I said I released my drawings. And it's, it's not – it's pretty much how I feel. Like I don't feel like I destroyed anything. Like they've already been created. They already had a life. Yeah. And I was just kind of putting this form of them to bed because – especially in this situation where I've already tattooed them, you know, maybe it's like – for other people, it'd be like, you know, your sketches preemptively for a painting. Mm. I mean, if you've already shown the painting, you know, do you really need to follow it up and and tell people like, and then I thought about doing this, but then I did this. And these are the decisions I made right. until the fine finale came out. Unless you're like trying to document for a particular purpose or it's like that one particular project that you really like. But I, I think like doing the whole fire thing is important because – like you're you're using this particular energy to send off, you know. Like 
you you look at Norse culture and whatnot. And oh, it's very Viking. Fire is very Viking. Yeah, you we're burn like everything. cremating your dead sort of I thing. I imagine like a Viking <clears throat> kitchen. Like when they're done eating, they throw all their plates into the kitchen sink and then someone douses it with petroleum and they light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with it. Burn, you know. <laughs> Chunks of whale blubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, you know, it gets me thinking about like giving back and the energy and the cycle and the cycle of our careers and the cycle of what we're doing. And you know, we've had these conversations. My personal take on 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 being artistic mm-hmm. is. There's there's almost there's almost two two angles to this or two sides of the pursuit or and there's one there's there's um your your natural raw gift and then two there's a calling that you just can't you, you can't, can't escape sleep at night. Yeah. yeah you the, the type of person who sees something and wonders how it was drawn sees something in nature and wonders how to draw it yeah. sees the difference in color splashing looks at a pond. And the pond's orange, and he knows that water is in the color orange, and tries to figure out how that how that happened. Yeah. Starts looking at bounce light on people's faces while he's talking to them. All these things that our minds just never shut off, and some people can um, intuitively capture those moments and never explain how they did it. Mm-hmm. It's just like this raw talent. A gift, you know, the, the the muscle structure and the brain waves are already tied in together. Yeah, they don't even know anything about that. Like you're like, so did you do that because the ocular? And they're like, I don't know, just they had pretty eyes. You know what I mean? They totally skip all the stuff that other people would have to research. Right. And then and I, you know, I was I, I always compare this to a car. Uh, there was a kid in in high school, and he had like a Camaro or something like that, or. And his dad gave it to him. You know, I mean, there's no way this kid could afford this car. Right. He never took care of it, you know, and it was just kind of like, I didn't have a car, you know, I, I rode the bus to school. I relied on my buddy Parrish to, to take me home and, and, uh, you know, there'd be plenty of times I remember on a side note and Parrish would tell you he couldn't give you a ride home. And then you'd be on the bus and you'd see at a stoplight, he'd have like two or three girls in his car. <laughs> like, you jerk, man. Priorities. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it, it didn't get taken care of. And then, so it's like. Slowly, when I got finally could afford a nicer car, I, I had a, I did a, um, for about three years, I had a luxury car and it was expensive and, and whatever. And, um, and I had my reasons for getting it, but it always stayed clean. And it was always, always came, the oil changes were done on time, the tires were correct. And, and I really appreciated this thing, yeah. you know, where if it was somebody would have just given it to me when I was 16, it would have looked like, like that kids. Yeah. So getting back and pulling the whole picture back together, I always see these people with raw talent. Whether it's like, um, and we'll just talk about artistic journeys like music, writing, drawing, painting, mm-hmm. um, hell, even like chopper building. Um, you know, there's guys that build choppers that don't use a ruler or, or, or any type of measurement. They eyeball it, they whack it off, and then they weld it together, you know, and it's amazing. But these people with the raw talent, and they don't do anything with it. It's so frustrating. It's taken for granted. Yeah. And it's to me, it's like when you've been given this gift, it's not really yours either. 
Hmm. You know, the universe like sprinkled it on you and said, what are you going to do with You're this? You're like a, a steward of a particular kind of energy. Yeah. And so you have this and, and did, what did you expel back into the world? What did you, what did you give back with this, with this particular gift? Yeah. Because when you die, it's gone, Right. you know, and if you don't use it, you lose it. And you know, all those things that people say, um, I don't know. So that, that's, 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 that, that's something I think about. Um, and on the same note, that guy's car. I'm sure that the dad finally took it away one day and someone else saved up a bunch of money and bought that thing. I bet it got taken care of wonderfully. Oh yeah. You know? So, you know, um, I guess the thing of it is, is that once you have that raw talent or once you have the drive, I don't know what we'll, we'll just put both people in the same room. There's this like overwhelming, um, it's, it's almost like you're paralyzed by options. Well, yeah. I'm talented. What do I do with it? What do I do? I make leather. Do I make animation? Do I get into CGI work? You know, do I do hand lettering on windows? I remember my buddy Chris, um, he passed away a few years ago, but he tattooed for a while. Yeah. And he always liked to give me shit because he came into the tattoo shop one day, like, tw- I don't know, 20 years ago. And he was like, I want to tattoo for a living. I was like, there's enough tattoo artists. Why don't you, why, why does anyone ever want to learn how to sign paint? You know? And so I totally like drove him off the idea of tattooing. He ended up tattooing and becoming, he became really good at it. But, um, he always used to give me shit like, yeah, you wanted me to be a sign painter, you know, (laughs) but there are, there are so many options you can do. You almost like to release this energy Mm -hmm. to tap into it. There's so many, that anxiety that you have to create. There's so many avenues that you can kind of tap into and release that energy. Yeah. And a lot of it is like being honest with yourself and asking like, what, what sorts of things do you enjoy? Like what, what is going to be more beneficial to you to kind of go down, you know? Yeah. That's the awkward thing too. Like the nature nurture (laughs) aspect of it. Like when you, when you see someone who's like a a hand sign painter, I'll keep going back to that. They might have like a, Oh, well my uncle did it. Right. So I picked up on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's kind of rare that you, like, there's a guy from India who does, you know, like, American hot rod sign painting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does, like, probably sign painting in India. There, there's probably a lot of, like, very cool script. But the crossover, like, that that influence that he might have had, you know? Yeah. I'm, well, that's the thing with art in general, too, is, like, we're we're influenced by what's around us, you mm-hmm. know? And we're, we're drawn to things for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, but a, a lot of it is, I, I think back to a, a lot of it being in high school to where it's like, oh, this is what my friends did. This is what they were interested in. And, and that's what kind of drew me into it. Like collectively, we all ended up in this one area because of each what other. What area? Oh, you know, like you're interested, you're influenced by your friends, so you start skating. Or mm-hmm. you're influenced by your friends, so you start riding your bike. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's how we kind of collectively move into these particular avenues. But then like one of you obviously is way better than the other one, mm-hmm. you know, and he's the one that becomes the drug addict. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he ruins everything. And you're like, ah, I've been trying to alley over this forever. And you like do it with ease and then whatever, you never show up anymore. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that rule of three. Like, um, one of you's naturally really talented at it and then ends up not doing it and is like what a hundred pounds overweight and has six kids later and you're like what happened dude and then 
the other one of you was like, no, this is stupid. I'm just going to go do something else. And then the third one is like, no, this is what I really want to do. And you just stick your nose in yeah. it and you grind away and it becomes that. It, it's funny because like I, I there a good buddy of mine um, growing up, I always thought it was like way better at drawing than me. And I always looked at, he drew superheroes way better than me all the time. And that, like bummed me out left and right. Um, but yeah, and I'm, I just was stubborn enough to be like, no, I, I want to, I want to do art for the rest of my life. And I want to figure out how to make that be like everything that I do is going to go into that. You know, there was, um, that stubborn part. I, I, I don't even know if it's stubborn as much as it's like, I can't focus on anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus here a little bit, but you know, as an artist, we, I was told that I wasn't going to make any money, that it was going to live a life of poverty, that I was never going to work. And that there's no, in, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so to prove a point, my, my mother and father were both, um, uh, college grads. Uh, actually, they both got their masters and, um, uh, the air conditioning just kicked on and me and John just both looked at the levels to make sure it wasn't getting picked up. Uh, <laughs> oh no, noise. We I don't know if anyone notices, but you know, uh, we got new mics. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy, uh, Ben Mazak. Um, Ben is an amazing, uh, audio engineer, um, recording engineer, mixer, etc. Um, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've known him for a very long time. He was in my wedding. Um, he's a very good friend and I, I think we talked about this at one point. I went to school for music recording, right? but he stayed in it and I left. He was that guy. Right. Yeah. You're, you're one part of the third. He's the other third. And then who's the alcoholic friend that you haven't had in touch with? Oh man. Yeah. That, I don't that guy bring just, it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to, um, thank you, Ben, going back to the, um, you know, the career thing is my dad actually took me, there's a company called Mako. I think they actually, they're gone now. Um, but they own like famous bar and venture. And he took me to the, to the art department of Mako. It was downtown St. Louis in the old famous bar building. Mm. And, uh, we go up there and he had arranged a meeting for me to meet with the artists that worked there. And what it was, what it was supposed to do is it's supposed to tell me that I needed to go to college in order to have these careers. So we walk up there and there's six guys, and literally, like, you walk into a room, it's kind of dark, they got their lamps, and they're drawn away. My dad's like, so where'd you go to school? He's like, oh, I dropped out. And that, that, that answer kept happening over and over again. None of the guys finished college. And what they told me was, look, man, as soon as you get a portfolio, shop. Go get a job. Mm -hmm. Start learning. You will learn more in the field than you will going to, school. going to school. He goes, you want to see everyone who went to school? He took me to another room, and there was the old Macintosh computers, the boxes, there was about 35 people in there moving around squares that represented the artwork that those guys did. So they were like, they were putting it in newspapers all over the country for mm. Famous and Bar, their drawings. And it's like, those guys went to school. We didn't. We're the ones drawing. You know what I mean? And, and so it kind of kind of got like, like the whole lesson, like reinforced me. Right. <laughs> and I, I, but I did, I followed the pursuit of it all, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know. Um, what, what end of the stick do you want to be on? But, you know, the, the question is, is it's always like, where am I supposed to be at? Because you do have the influence mm -hmm. and then you have, you know, something that, that grabs your uh, an unpopular, a very unpopular path that you're, you're you don't know if you should go down or not. Right. 
And that's the, those are the scary ones. Like yeah. for me, when I started tattooing, my mom cried, you know, I dropped out of college, you know, the whole bit. I mean, like relatives were like, are you sure it's what you want to do with your life, son? And, you know, it's just like, yeah, I don't want to be you. <laughs> I know right. that. I know what I don't want to be. Yeah. You, you get to that particular level where it's like trying to be true with yourself and figure out like, I don't know what, what's, what energy is resonating with you. You know, like you're at this particular moment for a reason and mm -hmm. like what what call are you gonna make? Right. You know, are you going to jump down that rabbit hole and explore it and have a lot of fun and work really hard and not have a lot of fun and everything that goes along with that, or are you just gonna like pass by that door and kinda go down to the next one and Yeah, see we should say too, like there's a difference between fun and rewarding. Yeah. You know, like I can have a lot of fun, you know, making slime with the kids, you know, homemade slime. Mm. It's not very rewarding because then, then I find it in fucking couch cushions and I find it in their pocket in the wash. And you know what I mean? So that's not rewarding. Yeah. But also, too, like there's a certain amount of stick to where long, long after you've found a path that's comfortable for you. All of a sudden, one day you're like, wow, that was a unexpected payoff. Mm. You know, and I know for me it's happened. I don't know. Yeah, I going back to um, what you were talking about with the drawings. Um, I've been going through and like cleaning out my studio as well, the whole house. But specifically, I did my studio the other day, and realizing how much stuff I had saved, and how much. It, getting the opportunity to look at what I had done and what point I am now, like going back to the, you talking about what's rewarding, you know, the whole thing with making art is for me is like this ability to pay homage to my surroundings and explore it in a fun, creative fashion. And being able to look back and see where my drawings were at a particular point and just appreciate what they were and then being able to let go of them. Mm -hmm. and be like, I don't need to hold on to this anymore. Mm -hmm. There's a couple in there that I really appreciated. And this really hit me like, cause my, my parents saved all my kid drawings. Mm -hmm. Like I have a box that weighs probably 15 pounds full of kid drawings mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to go through that. But I went through a lot of my sketchbooks and just looking at all that stuff and being able to remember it and know what I was thinking at that point, And then finally being able to let it go mm -hmm. and understanding like that point got me to where I am now. And I can appreciate that. But now I get to understand, like I get to look at things and process it differently and, translate it draw it however i want to but i'm here because of that like there was a process involved that got me to that but it's okay to let go yeah, of let that go of that you don't, you don't have to carry every part of your life with you yeah you know i think there you know when it comes to the path and what path to choose i think a lot of people i mentioned before about the whole paralyzed by choice what am i supposed to do right um more than likely it's sitting in front of you anyway and you just haven't you haven't done it because of fear or you haven't done it because of like, you know, yeah, fear. It's, it's not a popular choice maybe. Or or maybe you're one of those guys that have like, or girls that have tested everything 
without committing to anything. Mm. So you've learned how to talk about composition and you've learned how to talk about fundamentals and you've learned how to talk about all these like blanket expressions that all the art world um, has in common. Right. But you've never been able to talk about a particular craft. You know, you can talk to a photographer about composition because you've done one or two paintings, mm. but you can never talk to them about the um, maybe the the math behind uh, how a camera works and how how f stop is related to shutter speed and and how how the process of actually getting that composition what went behind it. And so I think the great the great reward is this. Is that if you find something, you dive into it 100%. Mm-hmm. And so say if you're a um, um, an illustrator, have you ever tried to make your own ink? Have you ever tried to make your own quill pen? Have you ever tried to make your own paper? You know, when I, was, when I first started tattooing, I had gotten to a burnout stage early um, because I was so distracted with doing so many tattoos in such a short amount of time. By year two and three, um, I was like, if this is tattooing, I don't. I don't dig it. You know, this is just putting frogs and, you know, Tasmanian devils on people. And this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Right. You know, I didn't realize it was just a stage in my career. And there's a, there's a whole long marathon happening. Yeah. But I was like burnt out and I was in the back room and a guy that I used to work with, he said to me, you know, you, you've never even made your own tattoo machine. You've never, you've never uh, made your own ink. You know, you've never explored all these other options that go into your craft. Mm. And until you've explored all those, then you, there's no way you can be burnt out. Because right. you're only burnt out on the process of tattooing frogs and Tasmanian devils. You haven't even jumped into the rest of the way. And and, and that's like, like that weird, like, you can start to say, like, I'm doing something. But then once you commit to it, you know what I mean? It's a and, whole other ballgame. I mean, you had that conversation one day about when you get to title yourself something. And I and I joked and I said, you, you title yourself that right away. Right. Once you start tattooing, say you're a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a threshold that you cross. And when you start stretching some of your own canvases and you start mixing some of your own pigments and, and you start like going to horses and cutting their tails and making your own brushes, right? then you, you, you ascend to a whole nother level with that energy and, and that connection and the rich, the whole ritual aspect of, of what your trade is. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, it's weird too, because like you can talk about it and it's kind of like, well, you, you got to do this in order to be in the club sort of thing, you know, like this is this is what it benchmarks right this is what it looks like to be in here right and depending on where you are along the process it it can either be scary or overwhelming or like oh i gotta do all this stuff to to be that you know but it's all all it is is like this is what this information is you know and when you get to that point then you're going to understand it like if you're not ready for that information then it's it's not going to affect you in the way that it's meant to until you get to a level of understanding it's that, a seed that had gotten planted right whatever that tidbit of information it's just a seed and until you are tuned in until you have some experience and those moments is that what you're kind of talking about yeah it, it, and the other aspect of it is like everything has like a face value and you, you think, you know what it means to have that. And, but until you, like, until you own that car and you understand that, Oh, I have to change the oil. I have to turn, like get the tires rotated. I have to vacuum the car. You don't understand what it is, but in the initial thing is like, that looks really cool. I want to get to that point. But 
if someone told you like, oh yeah, well, you're going to have to change the oil. You're going to have to change the tires. You're going to have to vacuum it every day. You're going to have to put it under a cover, etc. You're going to be like, why? Why? I don't understand that. But once you own the car and you see the effects of not doing that, then you understand that. It's kind of that whole level of, for me, a lot of looking at other groups of people and being like, oh, that looks really cool and intriguing. If I, if I, don't quite understand what they're doing. It's kind of like, oh, I want to be in the cool kid club, you know? And I don't really understand what that means. And maybe it's not for me and that's okay. But if it's something that I really want to do, there's all these other layers that are involved. So what are you talking about? Are you talking about like, don't get duped just because there's a hundred people standing around it? Yeah. 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 Really, really try and look at it and see what's involved in it. And, well, there's always going to be these weird phases where something becomes quasi-popular. You know, obviously tattooing has gone from a culture to more of an industry. And a lot of people have come into the industry and they're able to tattoo without ever making their own machines or or, or mixing ink or, you know, or hell, even building a clientele, you know. Right. But I think, like, you'll always have friends that go through, like, maybe a leather-making phase. Or you'll have friends that go through... Um, you know, the crafting, I'm going to make sugar skull phase where they never, you know, they get to go to Hobby Lobby and they get all the pieces and it's basically a pay to play um, artistic journey. Right. As long as you own all the right pieces, you can produce something. That looks like. But it, it doesn't yeah. have any energy or soul to it. And I think that's what we're trying to talk about is if you're, if you just, who was it that said, uh, I think Bukowski said, uh, when you find the crowd, run the other direction. Mm. something like that i really yeah, probably yeah, butchered yeah. his quote bukowski also said never trust a man with an evenly trimmed beard so <laughs> <laughs> um your priorities are off yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it, i'm always apprehensive when too many people are are into something and I, I don't know if it's because maybe i won't feel like i shine enough or or maybe i feel like it's a beat horse you know, um, I mean, if I if someone asked me a little while ago, like, what would you do today um, with the state of tattooing that's in being popular and being an industry and being like, you know, whatever, you know, saying I want to be a tattoo artist today is kind of like it gives a shit. That's mm-hmm. not that's not new. That's not interesting. That's just just whatever. You might as well be a, you know, a cook or a barber. It's, it's a mundane service industry, right. you know. And so what would you do if you were 18 years old today? And what, what do you think you would have done? I said, I really think I would have gone into like pinstriping or painting or something lesser known, something that still had the value of the craft intact, you know, where I like, basically it's like this. I don't know where to buy pinstriping brushes and I don't know where to buy good pinstriping ink. I know what it's called. I know that maybe Hobby Lobby might have something like it, but I know what you have to mix it down with right. might not be readily available. And that's that pursuit Makes it way more intriguing for me rather than this. uh, There's already a hundred people doing it. And this guy's basically showing you like, here it is. A, B, C, you got it. Now go down to the little show there and sell it. You know what I mean? I don't want, I don't want nothing to do with a, with a pursuit like that. There's a particular value in exploring, you know, they, it kind of goes back to our nature as artists and the, the, that childish drive of, pursuit of understanding like why why does this look this way you know like 
that trickles down to everything. I think like in like you're going to choose to do X, Y, and Z because you are naturally inclined to do this with everything in your life, you know? And I, I, I th- so overall, <clears throat> you're going to be an artist no matter what. Right. It's just a matter of what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Yeah. And, and that's the, I think that's, if we had a topic today, it's more or less like, look, man, someone's given you a, a gift or someone's given you an obsession. Either way, if you don't channel that correctly, you're wasting it and someone else is really envious of you and then they're going to get disgusted with you, you know, so use it or lose it. Yeah. Take advantage of it. Have fun with it. Explore it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, just be respectful of it because it's not necessarily yours. What would you go back and tell like the 16 year old version of you? Like, would you, are you okay with the fact that you went and skateboarded or do you wish you went and got into hang gliding or something? Cause you, you can't, you've used that reference a couple of times, like, and then all my friends did this. So I did this. Yeah. No, um, I, I wish I would have figured out how to get into it sooner. What? Tattooing, like the, basically I, I wish I would have gotten into the drive of, making art be a priority sooner mm-hmm. than later. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I, I went into, I went into college with the mindset of like, I, I kicked myself out of my parents' house mm-hmm. just to try and like do things on my own and figure it out. And it's been a very slow, grueling process of understanding like, what I want to do and where my priorities are and things like that. I, it would have been nice to have particular factors in place that allowed me to understand what was important earlier on. Yeah. You, you wish you would have got kicked down the steps a couple more times yeah. and forced yourself to get back up. Exactly. Those are, those life lessons are super important. And I think that pulls right into like, if you can go to the store and buy everything, what, what did you just learn from it? Right. You just proved that, yes, you two can make a friendship bracelet. <laughs> you two can put a bird on it. You two can take a bunch of old books and turn them into sketchbooks. It's not, I mean, it's to me, that's all on the same level of like you two can change a car tire. All right. You know, it's not, it's not, a, there's no mystery to it. You know, it's ABC, you're done in half an hour. If there's a how to video on YouTube and you can master it by the end of the video, Whatever, man, you know, cool. But a a pursuit, you know, a pursuit and an obsession, it takes it, you know, to a whole nother dimension for me, Mm -hmm. you know, where eventually you start pigeonholing yourself in these situations where you can only have conversations with other like-minded people because everyone else just says, oh, that's neat. (laughs) But someone else says, wow, did you make your own paper? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so you recognize that. You're in my club. Right. Now we have a tribe. Yeah. You know? So anyway, I, I just, the only thing I wish for any young artist out there is to, when they say follow your heart, what that really means is start asking questions. Yeah. Ask yourself questions. Ask everyone around them questions. Assume nothing. And if you have a mentor out there that just seems like he is like the coolest thing in the world, gruelingly ask him questions every single day because if he's true and he's got integrity and he's, you know, 
then then he'll be able to answer those questions. If he's just bullshitting you, then he will dissolve under yeah. all those questions. And don't be afraid to ask. I think that's a, a lot of things with people too, is that you're just too timid mm-hmm. or scared. Like take that voice in your head, grab it by the throat and punch it in the face. You know, like get over it. Like don't don't stand in the corner. Don't because you're gonna regret it later on. Yeah. You know, take the opportunity that's placed in front of you, whether or not like, oh, you found yourself at this gallery opening with so-and-so, like take that opportunity to go talk to them. You know? Yeah. The, and, the universe put both of you and cross paths with both of you for a reason. Yeah. Go for it. Do it. I don't know. What are you waiting for, man? <laughs> All right. This has been another episode of the Bastards of Art podcast. Thank you for listening, guys. How long do we get these mics for? Uh, Well, the... <laughs> Is this like a one-time, like we're gonna, we just sold them the 20th episode was going to be good right, until we right. borrowed some mics? Exactly. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll, we'll see where this goes. But we're, again, uh, thank you, Ben. Um, and we have a sponsor. Thanks, yeah. Ben. Right. Where can they find us at, John? Uh, www.bastardsart.com. We, you can also listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Um, and iTunes. iTunes. Subscribe to us on subscribe iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs>